last year because of the COVID, something going around. Uh, but um, uh, we're going to be leaving, going up uh, tonight after service. And so we'll be having church at 7 o'clock this evening and continuing our study. And I um, encourage all of you to come. John chapter 11, I've been praying about um, some things that are on my heart, and, uh, but I went here to John chapter 11, and my, the text is going to be around chapter, uh, verse 7, 8, and 9, 10. Um, and I'm not sure exactly where we're going to go. God's been dealing with me about a message for a couple of weeks, but I don't think it's for you all. Amen? Well, that, that wasn't very good. Uh, but I don't think it is for you all. I, I'm not sure where or what. Uh, maybe it's for up there where we're going. I'm not sure yet, but... Um, um, it's burn, been burning on my heart, and it's been consuming my attention on a daily basis. In fact, it's about to wear me out. And sometimes messages do that uh, when I preach them to myself a lot. And I tell people, I wish you could have heard it when I preach it to myself. It was a whole lot better than whenever I preach it to others. But, um, but I want to go this way this morning. Where I was going to go over into, into Peter's writings and talk about what little time we had left. We need to be about God's business. And... When I was up in Alaska, Jenny and I was up there, there was um, standard time and then there was Alaskan time. Uh, if you told the Alaskan people we were going to meet at 10 o'clock in the morning to have anything, they might start showing up about 11.30. So you just figured on that. There was Alaska time. Even though they had clocks, they had watches. And so what time that you had with them, you had to redeem that time. You had to make very good use of that time. The Rusty Nail Crossing sang a song, a new song that's coming out on their CD. And I've prayed this prayer uh, for years that I want to be able to finish well and busy. I don't want to be sitting around. And there's a phrase in that song that they sung, and I won't remembered exactly the way they said it. I've only heard it two times. But when, and I'll tell you in essence what it means, is when I come down to the end of my life, I want nothing to be left. Remember that phrase? 
I don't want anything to be left. When it comes down to the end, I want to be spent out for the gospel. And that's me as a preacher. That's my life. That's what I'm expected to do by a lot of people. But it's what I desire in my life that when I get done, I don't want anything left. But then I can put it in terminology for all of us that whenever we get finished in life, we don't want anything left undone. I hear many, many times when I'm speaking to people that are dying on their deathbed. My own father-in-law had regrets, and he was a hard worker. Made money and worked hard all of his life. So all he did was work. Didn't do much for enjoyment. And he, when they went on vacation, Jenny and I talked him into going on vacation with us. And when they went, they enjoyed it. But then he said, I'll not be here. I've got things to do at home. He's just an old time. He worked all the time. Got up early, went to bed late, worked all day. One time, I remember, we went on vacation. We, went, we started taking him to the Smoky Mountains, to Gatlinburg. Jenny and I had been going down there since the early 70s, and we finally talked him into going, and... Uh, Jenny's mom, and, and we spent a few days there, and so we had reservations. I don't know if we had reservations or we just wanted to go to the beach. And so my father-in-law was like a lot of other people that whenever uh, he would get in the car, he was out like a light. He and whenever he'd sit down, he'd go to sleep, because when he was awake, he worked. And so we told him we was going to take the long way home. We was going to go over the mountain toward Cherokee, and, and we did. We went over the mountain toward Cherokee and went on south to North Carolina and, and over into the beach area, and, and he woke up on the way over. He said, I think you took a wrong turn somewhere, didn't you? I said, yeah. Yeah, I think I did. We was on most of the beach by then. But he got to the beach first time he'd ever saw the ocean. Him and my mother-in-law rolled up their pants leg because they didn't have bathing suits, walked out into the ocean and did not want to leave. I had to make them, Jenny and I did, to get in the car. We have to go home. They didn't want to leave. But I remember just not long before my father-in-law died, I had tried over the years to get him to go fishing with me. Oh, we don't have time to fish. Don't have time to go out. Got work to do. And I was, lay, I was sitting there beside my father-in-law. He was bedridden. He had sugar. He was on dialysis for years and years and years. He had one leg cut off. They wanted to cut off the other one. He was blind. He was sick. His sugar was just eating him up. He said, Joe Joseph, 
That's what he called me all the time. Joe Joseph. That wasn't my name, but it was Joe Joseph. Joe Joseph, I wish I'd have gone fishing with you. There's a time for every purpose. Ecclesiastes teaches us that. Peter tells us to redeem the time. And in these few verses, now many of you are familiar with this chapter and know what I'm talking about, the raising of Lazarus. This is what we look at in this chapter. I mean, Lazarus is raised from the dead after being dead four days. He's starting to stink already. Decay is starting to set in. And, and, and Jesus is messing around when they tell him that Lazarus is sick. He's messing around, taking his time getting there. Or so they might think. So some might seem. That we're in the midst of emergency in our life. Nothing can be done quick enough. When my wife is laying in a hospital bed and she's sick, where in the world are those doctors? Where in the world are those nurses? Where in the world are those people that's supposed to take care of her? And we get an urgency to things that are going on around us. And, and we see within these few scriptures a wonderful message of God's timing in our life. God has a time for everything. There's time within our lives. And feeling the urgency, I preached some time ago about the urgency of being a witness, the urgency of preaching, the urgency of, of telling others about Jesus Christ, but an urgency within every one of us that there's time for certain things, and then we're going to be running out of time. Look in verse 7. Then after that saith he to his disciples, let us go into Judea again. His disciples say unto him, Master, the Jews of late sought to stone thee, and goest thou thither again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If any man walk in the day, he stumbleth not, because he seeth the light of this world. But if a man walk in the night, he stumbleth, because there is no light in him. And so as he's making these statements that, that he's, he stays two more days after they tell him that Lazarus is sick. And so Jesus courageously decides to go to Judea and Jerusalem. And, and so when he decides to do that, when he says he could have raised Lazarus from the dead from a distance, he could have... He could have just spoke the word and Lazarus would have been all right. He could have spoke the word and Lazarus would have came out of the grave or Lazarus would have been healed there on his bed of affliction. He could have just spoke the word. But Jesus knew that there was things to be done. 
He knew that there were things in order and he knew what was coming up because it wouldn't be very many days after this that Jesus would be hanging on a cross, dying for the sins of the world. And he had certain things that he had to do leading up to that. We could sit down and draw us up a, a plan of life. We could sit down and draw us up something that we want to be uh, financially independent by a certain age, or we want to be uh, uh, retired by a certain age, or we want to be married by a certain age and have children by a certain age, and then we might mark off that fact of having children by a certain age. We might decide, no, I don't want children at all. I've kept my, my sister's kids, and I don't like kids. I don't know what you might feel, but, but we, we have this thing that we draw out. We think about it. We want to be married. We want to have children. We want to be, uh, have a job. We want to be financially independent. We want to have a house. We want to have a car. We want to do all of this stuff within a time period of us retiring. And then whenever I retire, I can enjoy my life. I can go fishing. I can go hunting. I can go traveling. I can do whatever I want. There are certain things that I must do leading up to this goal that I have. Jesus placed everything in his life to the goal of one of these days, hanging on a cross, dying on that cross, uh, going to the grave, uh, and that everything that he came in this world to accomplish, he accomplished it. Because while he was hanging on the cross, he said, it's finished. I've completed the work that God the Father sent me here to do. Everything that God the Father sent him here to do, he completed. Everything in his life. Now, I know that John tells us that not everything is written in the book uh, that what Jesus did or said, and that if it was written in the book uh, of what Jesus said and did, the libraries of the world or at that particular time would not have been able to hold them or contain the things that Jesus did but I believe that this Bible is the Word of God, and I believe that what God put in there is just exactly what He wants us to know. And I believe that in this book, Jesus fulfilled every major obligation that God sent Him to do, and it's there for a record for you and I to be able to read it, look at it, understand it, uh, magnify over it. Uh, it's, we can just be in amazement of what Jesus did. But the disciples said, why do you want to go to Jerusalem? Or Judea, excuse me. It's the fact, even a similar thing, that when Jesus said, I've got to go by Samaria. I've got to go to the well of Samaria because there's something there that I've got to do. There was a preordained uh, a happening event 
that Jesus knew there was going to be a woman that would walk to the well that day at that time of the day and that Jesus wanted to talk to her and Jesus wanted to win her to himself and in winning her to himself, he won most of the town with her and Jesus said, I've got to go by the way of Samaria and sit by the well and the disciples just couldn't understand it. What do you mean? Here Jesus has just been told that his dear friend, somebody that he loved dearly, and I don't think he loved Lazarus any more than me. I've heard preachers say that he loved Lazarus more than he loved anybody. I don't believe that. Because the, Jesus was God in the flesh. And he had a godly love for everybody. I think he loved me the same as he loved Lazarus. I don't think he loved Lazarus any more than me. That means to me that if something happens to me, Jesus cares about me too. He loves me too. He'll help me too. And he'll help me from afar. But anyway, that after he'd heard the story of Lazarus, he's sick, he's dying, and Jesus says, let's go to Judea. The wrong way from where Lazarus was. And the disciples are saying, Master, why do you want to go to Judea? They're going to kill you there. They wanted to kill you the last time you were there. Uh, and that shows you how big of an idiot those disciples were. They'd been spending time with him and they still didn't know that he was God. They still didn't understand that he was Jesus. They still didn't understand that he could have called all of heaven's angels to help him out. They still didn't understand through all of the miracles that he had done, he could have took care of the people in Judea who was wanting to stone him with one little thought, not even a word, not even a whisper, not even a breath. He could have stopped it all. They still didn't understand who they were walking beside. Glory, I'm getting feel like preaching. They didn't understand who they had beside of them. That this was Jesus, the one that created the world in which they were living in. The one that the world was made his footstool. And they said, they're going to kill you in Judea. Yeah, okay, come on, let's go. That's Fudge Creek. King James didn't have that one. Come on, let's go. Let's go into Judea. Do you not understand that there's only 12 hours in the day and I've got some things to do and what's going on with Lazarus? He's just sleeping and we're going to go there in a little while and wake him up. But Lord, he's dying. Lord, do you not understand? Master, do you not understand? He's dying. He'll die before we get there. I've got things to do. There's 12 hours in the day. The night's coming when none of us can work. I'm running out of time in ministry. I don't have any. I've been preaching for 47 years pastoring for the best number, biggest number in there. 45 years probably, 44, somewhere around there. I'm running out of time. 
I must work while it's day. I must work while it's light. I must be able to complete what I can complete. God has some, I really believe this with all of my heart. I'll get back into the message here in a little bit. I just want to testify for a moment. I believe that God knows who the last person is I'll win to Jesus. And then he's going to say, Joe, come on. He knows the last message that I'll preach. And after I get done with it, he'll say, Joe, it's time to come home. You have finished your course. You've kept the faith. Come on. Enter into the joys of the Lord. And I hope he says, well done. I know, and let me say this without and I understand, I, please, I understand, but I believe that nothing is going to take us out of this world that God does not allow to take us out of this world with. God is in control. We are so captivated. I know Robert's mama died of COVID, but she was going to die of something. And I don't mean that in a cruel way, Robert. You know that. I love you. All of us are going to die of something. And we have become so, so overwhelmed and so, so occupied and so preoccupied with not dying of COVID that we've not been doing anything for God. We've been so preoccupied with keeping ourselves healthy that we've not been useful for God. We've closed down our churches. We've quit witnessing. We've quit doing. We've quit talking. We've quit shaking hands. We've quit hugging. We've quit telling people that Jesus loves them. Do we not understand there's only 12 hours in the day? We're running out of time. And I don't mean to say that in a cruel way. I've got family that's on Facebook griping and fussing and carrying on about people. We're learning, and I don't mean to get off on COVID. I, I really don't. But folks, we need to get as preoccupied about serving God as we are living away from COVID. We need to get serious about serving God as we are about keeping from dying over COVID or whatever else it may be. I'm going to die from something. Something's going to take me out of this world. I don't want to die. I don't want to die anytime soon. But what I want to do is I want to live for Jesus. I want to live in the moment, live for the people that God has put me in charge of, live in this particular area. There, I, I need to understand there's 12 hours in the day. There are many practical applications to this uh, one wise statement. There's all kinds of applications for this, but nothing can shorten our time on this earth. God knows exactly how long we have. God knows exactly what day we'll die. God knows exactly what will take us out of this world. And when we're consumed with dying, we're, we're forgetting about living. And Jesus was saying to these disciples, I've got things to do. 
You're worried about dying. I've got living to take care of. You're worried about the Judeans stoning me and killing me. I've got living. I've got people's lives to affect. I've got people's lives to do something with. I've got people's lives to help out. I've got to do some things. There is enough time for everything that needs to be done if we will do it. Jesus said, just hang on, guys. We'll get there in a couple of days. Just hang on, guys. We'll get there in a couple of days. Many people say this is the greatest miracle that Jesus Christ ever performed. I don't agree with that. I think saving me was the greatest miracle that he ever performed. I think wiping, I think, I think wiping away my sin was the greatest miracle that he ever performed. But still, that was nothing for him. Cost him a great price, dying on a cross. We only have that time. So it must be used properly. It must not be wasted. Our lives must not be wasted away for something that we need to understand. Even those that work every day of your life, even those that have a job, even those that may not have a job, your life should not be wasted. Mama, if you're sitting at home with the children, you ought to be instilling in those children the love of God, the Word of God, the plan of God. You ought to be instilling in them something that's very special to them uh, and to understand who God is, what God is, and that there's a heaven to go to one day. Do not waste a moment of your time with your children, or with your husband, or with your wife, or with your neighbors, or with anybody else. If you're on the ball field, uh, I, and nobody, everybody knows, I was out there on the ball field out here one day watching Xander and Ryder, and, and I was louder than most of the people around me. And, and I was yelling for him and rooting for him and everything else. But we was also witnessing while we were around there. We was also telling people about Jesus while we were around there. Occupy the time. Yeah, it's great. Saul Zander hit a home run, knocked it right out of the park. Riders hit a home run, knocked it right out of the park. But, uh, but you know what blessed me more than anything? I'll say it in front of mom and dad. Mom here, that when those boys stepped up to the play, uh, pitcher's mound, they took off their hat, they bowed their head, they prayed, and they asked God for help. Glory to God that they knew that where their help come from and their people around them saw them do that. Give God all the glory. Give him all the praise. Don't waste our time. Jesus said, I'm going to Judea, and they're not going to kill me. Because I've got an appointment also to go to the tomb of Lazarus. Now, this is a big deal. Because, the, the, you know, when he walks up there, and they, he tells them, move the stone. 
And they said, what? He's been dead four days. He stinks. He's already been in there four days. What are you talking about? And Jesus had already told him he was just asleep. Now, I was laying there in bed last night, and, and I didn't take a shower before I went to bed. I was wore out. I worked all day yesterday around, and I was wore out, trying to get ready to go. I was wore out. And I want to admit to you, I smell bad. And when I can smell myself, I smell bad. You know, and, and I told Jenny, I said, whew, I stink. And she said, I can't smell you. But, but now let me tell you something about Lazarus. He was just asleep. He wasn't dead. Jesus said he was asleep. They all thought he was dead. If he was dead, yeah, he probably would have been rotten. But he was asleep. You get that? Jesus said he was asleep. And when he cried, Lazarus come forth. And Lazarus woke up. Come bouncing out of the tomb. You all know the story is a great miracle. And I, and I don't know this, and I, and I don't mean to add anything to the word, but I want to I just kind of picture that Jesus may have looked at his disciples and said, What did I tell you? We had things to do. This is one of them. This is one of them. I don't know what God has for you to do. But when you do something for God, you can look back and say, this is one of them. This is one of the things God wants me to accomplish. This is one of the things God wants me to do. Jesus is saying that a man must finish the day's work within the day for the night comes when the work is ended. Now, I think I'm old. Now, compared to Robert, I'm not as old as he is. Earl's older than all of us. Earl, how old are you? Shoo-wee. Uh, I can't even imagine that old. But, no, I'm just kidding. But I think I'm old. I'm running out of time. And I, I look back on my life and my ministry. I'm, I'm going to tell you this so that you younger people will learn something. And don't be like my youngest daughter. Whenever I try and tell her to keep her out of harm and keep her from heartache, and she'll look at me and she said, Dad, I just have to experience it for myself. And I want to smack her, you know, because you don't have to experience it for yourself. If you just listen, and keep you from a lot of heartache. But I'm looking back on my life with regrets that I've not accomplished as much as what I would like to accomplish for God. And I look back and I ask God, I say, God, is there something that I've not done that I was supposed to do that you wanted me to do? 
because I'm running out of time. I want to be able to accomplish it before I die. That's why when they told me a couple of years ago that I only had a year to live, you all remember, I struggled with that. I said, God, I've still got a message in my, in my life. I've still got a message in my heart. There's still a burning to preach there. Surely to goodness, you're not going to let me go out of here before I finish and accomplish what I want to be able to accomplish, what I feel like you want. And, and I, re, I was reminded of years ago I'm going to be honest with you. Just Here's a little testimony. When I first started preaching, I was so eager to preach. I wanted, I wanted to get out there and preach. I wanted to get out there and tell people about Jesus. And I was worried to death about dying. Every day I'd worry to death about dying. I would. Every day I'd worried about dying. Oh, Lord, please don't let me die today. I want to preach Sunday. Please, Lord, don't let me die. I want to witness to somebody this week. Please don't let me die. I, I want to do something for you this week. And God, he kind of smacked me around a little bit. And he said, listen, you worry about living. I'll worry about you dying. You're not going to die one moment before I allow you to die. You're not going to go one minute before I allow you to go. Every one of us have a timeline. Every one of us have something to accomplish. I think of Jason. Brandy, I think of Jason. The one thing that I know about that Jason wanted more than anything else before he left this world was that Ryder would come to know Jesus Christ as his personal Savior. And God let him see that. And when it came to the point to baptize Ryder, there was no question in my mind. When they came and said, ask me to baptize Ryder, I said, you do it. You do it. I told Jason to do it. Jason went to heaven with his prayer answered. Now, he didn't want to go. He wanted to stay. Brandy and the kids wanted him to stay. We wanted him to stay. I never prayed harder for any man in my life than I did for Jason. And I could go to other people as well. And to give you examples of how God has allowed them to see things, to accomplish things, to do things before they go. Because Jesus was telling his disciples there's 12 hours in the day. We've only got 12 hours to accomplish what God wants us to accomplish. Not literally, but we've only got daylight to do it. Night's coming when we're going to have our regrets. I have sat by the bedside of many a people that have said, Preacher, I regret. Many things I regret. One thing is I regret not getting saved earlier than what I got saved. Living my life the way I lived it, not living for Jesus. That's my biggest regret. And then I've listened to other things as people would share with me some of their biggest regrets that they'd ever seen in their life. Let go. Jesus was saying to them, we've got 
a job to do. Let's do it while it's day. Not just me, not just the preachers, but every one of us. He said, if anyone walks in the day, he won't stumble. But during these hours, no harm would come to Jesus and the disciples. He said, I'm going to go to Judea during the day. No harm's going to come to us during the day. But now if we go at nighttime, yeah, they'll probably try and kill us. But while it's day, I'm going to be about the Father's business. While it's day. Remember when Jesus was about 12 years old and they were in the city, his family was, and they left and went a long way and somebody noticed, where's Jesus? Where's he at? And I can understand that because Jenny and I, we, when we had kids little and they were, I pastored about an hour and a, 15 minutes from my house. And, and when, one night when we got done, our, our third daughter was asleep on the front row of the church and we were there talking and everything. And so we loaded up uh, part of our kids, put them in the car, Drove down the road about 20 minutes, and she looks at me, and she said, did you get Chantel? And I said, no, did you? And she said, no, I didn't get her. We turned around, went in, flipped the lights on, and the church came up. She's laying there on the front seat, just <laughs> sleep. She didn't know anything. Later on, when we told her about it, she got a real bad inferiority complex. Because one time on Halloween, Jenny had a bunch of the kids out in the van, and, and she went up to my sister-in-law's house and got candy, and all the kids piled in the van, and one of them happened to look out the back window and said, Mom, Chantel's running behind the van. So they got out and said, where's Jesus? Didn't you get him? No, I didn't get him. Didn't you get him? No, I didn't get him. So they go back and he's standing in the temple teaching the educated and religious men of the day. And they go in and if it had been my mom, grabbed me by the ear and shook me a little bit and said, what are you doing? You, you stay with us. Somebody's going to get you and carry you off somewhere. And I don't know what all they said to him, but he looked up at them and said, what are you talking about? I must be about my father's business. At 12 years old, he had a job to do. You say, preacher, he's Jesus. Yeah, but he turned the work over to us. He asked us, He asked us to do it. When he called me to preach, he called me out of a drunk's home. He called me out of a neighborhood that did not respect me and had no respect for my family. And when I got saved, they told me I wouldn't last long. When God called me to preach, even my own pastor didn't believe me. 
the God that created the world and hung it in the hung the moon and stars into space and the God that created all of this and the 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 mass expanse of all of it, he asked me to serve him and to preach his word. He called me and sent me to do the work of the ministry. That blows my mind. But every one of us sitting here today and being saved, knowing as we are a child of God, that He has asked every one of us to continue the work of the ministry, to work while it's day, to put off the the night clothes, take off the pajamas, uh, put on your day clothes, get to work, serve God, do what you can for God while it's day because the night is coming. When none of us would be able to work. I have a fixed time during which to work. Appointed to me by the Father. During that time, I feel no danger. Remember I told you a little while ago, I worry about dying every day early on. I worried about dying every day. I fear no danger. I do not fear dying. I walk in His light. And while I walk in the light of this world by day, I walk in His light, in His service, serving Him. And I think it's a challenge to all of us. Stand with me, please. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed, just for a moment. God, if I would offer myself, would you use me? If I'd say I'm willing, would you take me? If I present myself a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto you, which, by the way, is my reasonable service, would you accept that sacrifice? God, I don't know how you can use me, but if I offer myself, would you? If I present myself, will you accept my sacrifice of my own life? You're not asking me to die. You're asking me to live. You're asking me to live for you and to live for others. You're asking me to accomplish a work while it's day. This day, Right now, will you accept me? Will you take me? 
will you use me? Will you give me the ability to do what must be done? Will you give me the power that's needed to accomplish what must be done? May the Holy Spirit of God go from seat to seat, from life to life, from person to person that's asking that question or those questions. And may you speak to their hearts. I pray it in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.